Book of Acts chapter 4, the Bible says this. While they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple police and the Sadducees confronted them because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. See, the reason that they were mad at the apostles is that they were saying what you see and feel and hear and touch right now is less important than what we're proclaiming to be true. See, what we're telling you is, is that what's going on in your life right now is much less important than the eternity that is promised in Jesus Christ. And see, the, the temple leaders and the church of the time and the, and the authorities in the moment wanted you to be focused on what was going on right here and right now so that they could do the things that they wanted to have done and so that they could be the people that they wanted to be right here in the moment. And see, the message of the apostles is much different. The message of the apostles is what's going on right now is okay, but what is to come is so much more. I think it was the Apostle Paul that wrote that the, your present suffering is nothing compared to the glory that is to come that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord, right? And, and, and that was the message that made them so mad. So verse 3 says, so they seized them and took them into custody until the next day because it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed and the number of men came to about five thousand the next day the rulers and elders and scribes assembled in jerusalem with annas the high priest caiaphas john alexander and all the members of the high priestly family aren't they special after they had peter and john stand before them and they began to question them what by what power or when what name have you done this then peter was filled with the holy spirit oh come on man you know, Peter was pretty tough on his own. You know, Peter was able to hold his own on a fight, in a fight on his own. Can you imagine what it's like when you take somebody that's fairly tough already and you fill them with the Holy Spirit? I mean, when you take somebody that's hard-headed and somebody that's opinionated and, and, and somebody that's rough and tumble and that's been through it, somebody that doesn't come from a... a, a <laughs> somebody that doesn't come... Uh, from, a, from a life of ease, but comes from a life of, of where they've struggled to get everything you've got, and then you fill with them with the Holy Spirit. You know you've got something then. And he said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus, the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone, can you say amen? There is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. In other words, all your rituals, they amount to nothing. All your man-made traditions, they're less than nothing. All your fancy clothes and your big hats and all your tassels with your danglies, nothing. Nothing. Your big shiny temple that you built 
where you demand that people come and pay exorbitant prices to get your sacrifices. Nothing. Everything that you have built for yourself means nothing. The government that you hold so fast to it means nothing. The promises that have been made to you by peoples and rulers of the time, it means nothing. Because your danglies ain't going to save you. Because your golden temple artifacts are not going to save you. Because your rituals and your, your, your many words that you speak and your vain repetition of prayers, they are not going to save you. Everything that you've put your faith in that is temporary on this earth, it's all going to crumble to dust. It, none of it means anything. And if you put your faith in it, you're doomed to an eternal hell separated from God. Separated from God for all time. You see, there is no other name under heaven by which you may be saved than the name of Jesus. The name above every name. The name that means more than any other word that was ever spoken. Do you understand that? Yeshua, Yamachi, or whatever it was pronounced at that time, the name that we in English have transposed as Jesus, it means more than any other word that has ever been spoken. Do you understand that? It means more than any utterance that has ever come out on the face of the earth. This name, this Jesus, this, point, this word that points us to the Son of God, this word that points us to the Savior of all creation, the firstborn among many that would come into the resurrection, this, this Lamb of God that would be the only one that is worthy enough to shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins. The only one that is worthy enough to open the scroll that would bring about the restoration of all things. The only name under heaven by which we must, not might, not may, not probably should. The only name under heaven by which we must be saved. The most important word that was ever spoken. The most important name that was ever given. The most important thing that we would ever experience. The most important truth that we would ever know is this one word, this Jesus, this Jesus that was born in meager you know, means and, and laid in, in a feeding trough of a virgin, this Jesus that, that, that he said nothing good could come out of Nazareth, and yet he did, this Jesus that made himself known by the reading of the scroll of the prophet of Isaiah, this Jesus that they tried to throw off a cliff, this Jesus that they wanted to stone to death, this Jesus that was rejected by his own people. This Jesus that was rejected by his own church. This Jesus that would be betrayed, that would be arrested, that would be beaten and mutilated and crucified and buried in a borrowed tomb. This Jesus that on the third day, say on the third day. This Jesus that on the third day would rise from the dead and walk out of the tomb to prove that he was who he said that he was. This Jesus that ascended to heaven and gave us the most important command that we would ever receive. That we go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything that he had taught us. This Jesus that is going to come back again to claim his bride, to put evil in its place for all time, and to finally see the body of Christ united and risen and resurrected and put right where it needs to be for all time. Can you say amen? This Jesus, this Jesus, there is no other name but just this name of Jesus. And then when they observe the boldness of Peter and John. I want them to observe our boldness. 
the body of Christ has gotten weak and complacent and scared because the culture has turned on us. You know where we messed up? By aligning ourselves with the culture in the first place. We should have never been aligned with the culture. We should have never depended on the culture. You, you know why people are so scared that the government's going to turn on us? Oh, no. It looks like a Democrat's going to be elected president. Oh, no. The body of Christ should have never depended on the government in the first place. We should have never depended on the government in the first place. We should have operated as our own entity in the first place, regardless of what the government does. If they do things to support the church, great, thanks. If they don't, great, thanks. Thanks. You know why? Because when a little bit of pressure gets applied to the body of Christ, the body of Christ stands up and gets strong and overcomes whatever. Look throughout the ages, man. Study some church history. Whenever something comes down on the church, the church responds. You know why? Because we're not an organization. We're a body. We're a body. You apply a little bit of pressure to an organization, it falls apart. What happens when you apply a little bit of pressure to a body? It gets stronger. It gets stronger. And yeah, I like to use weightlifting terminologies because that's what I like to do. But when I apply a little bit of pressure to my body, I get stronger. I'm training my kid right now. He's working in the media booth. But, man, I've got him out there doing deadlifts and military presses. When a little bit of pressure gets applied to him, he gets exponentially stronger every single time. And, and, and it's crazy to be training him because he hasn't done this a whole lot. He, he literally gets stronger every session. Every time. And every time a little pressure gets applied to the body of Christ, we get stronger. And you know what happens when no pressure is applied to us? We get weak, we get complacent, we get slothful. We get slothful, and we sit around and expect everybody else to do everything for us. Yeah? We expect the culture to save people for us. And that's what has happened in the, in the body of Christ for the last hundred years. We thought everybody, I mean, I, when I was a kid, I thought everybody was saved. I did. I thought everybody went to church and everybody got saved. That's just the way it was. My wife was the first person that explained to me that not everybody knows Jesus. I mean, she did. She's the one that made that clear to me. Because, I mean, my, my wife shared with me. She was like, look, I'm not saved. I don't know the Lord. And I was like, what? It didn't make any sense to me. Then later I realized that I wasn't saved either. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I thought that I had been saved by my family tradition. But this is what I preached on first service. You can go back and watch that, that, that sermon if you want to get some of that pass it down mentality. I, I thought I was saved by my grandparents' faith. I can't be saved by my grandparents' faith. You can't be saved by your parents' faith. And I guess what? Our children can't be saved by our faith. Our, our grandchildren can't be saved by our faith. Our great-grandchildren won't be saved by our faith. They have to have their own faith. They have to have their own faith. And, and, and for that reason, they have to realize what the body of Christ is. They have to, to come to, to, to the fruition that that name of Jesus is more important than the name of Trump or the name of Biden or, 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 the, or the name of, I don't even know, somebody else that's, that's important in our culture, the name of LeBron or, or the name of, of, I don't know, whoever else, Tom Brady or whatever, you know? Or, or yeah, I mean, whoever it is, the name of Coach Cal. I mean, you, you got to understand 
that the name of Jesus is more important than any of those names. And, and we have to make that clear to our children with boldness, with boldness, with boldness. Man, we've gotten weak and we've gotten scared. Like we're scared of the culture. We're running around scared that the culture's going to turn on us. Guess what? The culture was never for you. It was never for you. Never has been for the church. Never. 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 It's always been a deception. The culture's never been for us, and they're certainly not going to proclaim the name of Jesus for us. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm anxious to walk on the edge of what our culture deems appropriate. I'm anxious. I'm anxious to be the real rebellion. But because you understand that there's a group out there that thinks they're in the midst of a rebellion right now, when ultimately they're the status quo. And, and, and there's another group out there that, that, that thinks that they're like the moral high ground, which, which literally they're not. Literally they're the moral degradation of our world. You can't legislate morality. Morality only comes from here. You see, there is an objective truth in the universe, and it is not the United States of America. And, and I love the country I live in. Don't get me wrong. I love this country. I want the best for it. I, I wish that, we are, that our Christian values would be, be paramount in our world again, and, and I hope that they will be. But, but it's not going to flow from the government. Like I said, you can't legislate morality. You know, it doesn't matter what they legalize or, or, or make illegal. None of this stuff matters. Morality flows from here, and we as the church, we as the body of Christ should speak with boldness, and we should be the ones that set the standard for who the people of God are going to be. We should be the ones that are inspiring unity. Well, we should be the ones that are going out there and, and bringing people together. We should be the ones that are condemning you know, racism in all its forms. We should be the ones that, that are talking about what it means to live a, a, a real, true, solid Christian life. We should be the ones that are making Christ paramount in our lives and in our church. I mean, there's churches that where Jesus is not the centerpiece. There, there's things that they call them church, call themselves churches. And, and I'm not anti-megachurch. That's fine, man. If you get that opportunity, use that. But make sure you're not the reason that people are coming. Make sure that you're not the reason that people are coming. Like, like don't ever let your celebrity pastor status go to your head. Don't start doing stuff to fill seats. That's garbage. Everything that we should do, do should be to point people to the cross of Jesus Christ, to the redemption that he offers, and to the filling of the Holy Spirit that comes with that. That's what we should do, and we need to do it with a boldness, not caring what the world says about it, not, not caring what kind of repercussions that we might undergo. Because I'm telling you, if you legitimately decide to follow Christ, there's going to be some. You know, there haven't been, not really. Maybe people made fun of us on the Twitter had people make fun of me on the Twitter this week. It's fine. There's going to be some real repercussions. Real stuff. That we as the body of Christ are going to have to deal with. And we need to do it with boldness. This comes down to this. What do you believe? What do you believe? You know, I, I, I hear people that, that testify that they're Christians all the time. And, and, and I'm not sure that they believe what they say that they believe. You know, I see these people that, that, that preach, and, and, and I'm not sure that they really believe what they say. And it's scary. It's scary because the time is coming when we're going to have to live out what we claim to believe in. And I think when that time comes, we'll probably see services that look more like this one than the one that we just had previously. And that's okay. That's okay. 
buddy of mine asked me in the hallway as we were, we were leaving from the first service. He said, uh, and, and he was just kidding because he knew what my response would be. You understand? I need you to know that he knew what my response was going to be when he said this. He said, man, ain't nobody in there. You still going to have a second service? And I said, brother, we're going to have a second service even if it's just me. Even if it's just me. Doesn't matter. We will do what we're called to do for God regardless of who comes with us. That's what boldness is all about. It's easy towards, to go towards God when there's a big crowd of people going towards God. Hey, let's all go to God together. And if everybody's like, yeah, let's go towards God together, then it's easy. But what, about ha what happens when you're like, hey, let's go towards God? And everybody's like, yeah, no. That's stupid. You'll look stupid if you go towards God. You'll look ridiculous. We're not going with you. And as a matter of fact, if you do go towards God, you're probably going to be arrested. Then it becomes much harder to go towards God. Much, much harder. And yet, that's what boldness of the Spirit looks like. To go against the grain. To be that disciple, even when being a disciple is not cool. To be a disciple even when it's dangerous. To be a disciple even when the other church people try to get you not to. Boldness. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John, you, 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 and they realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, and they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. These Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they knew way more about the Bible than Peter and John probably ever would. Way more. They weren't impressed by the number of verses that they could quote. They knew more about, they had prayed more prayers. Listen, these guys had prayed more prayers for longer amounts of time than Peter and John ever would. Than they ever would. They weren't impressed by their knowledge of Scripture. They weren't impressed by their prayer life. They weren't impressed. They certainly weren't impressed by how they looked. They weren't impressed by the way they spoke. They were impressed by their boldness. You know why? Because they really believed. Because this is where boldness comes from. They really believed what they were saying. They really believed what they were saying. They really did. You want to see a, an exercise in boldness? Let me and my wife both really believe opposite things. Because we come together in boldness. People would be impressed by our boldness, wouldn't they, baby? Nope, you're wrong. Nope, you are. It went down this way. Nah. They were impressed with Peter and John because they really believed what they were saying. And when you truly believe what you're saying, I mean with every bone of your body, with every bit of your essence, with every cell that makes up your being, with every bit of the spirit that's inside you, when you believe what you're saying, it comes out different. 
when you believe it, it comes out different. I like your shirt, it says believe. When, when, you, when you believe what you're saying, then it comes out different. It, it experiences it. When you have that legitimacy, when you, when you have that integrity, like when you have just that full belief going on, man, people can look at you and they can see and they can tell and they can experience it from you. And these men knew without a shadow of a doubt that these uneducated, uneducated, cussing sailors that lived up in redneck rural area of Galilee, they knew that they had been with Jesus. I hope people can say that about me. I hope people can say that about you. I don't know anything else about them, but I can tell that they've been with Jesus. I can tell they've been with Jesus. I don't know how much they know. I don't know where they come from. I don't know what their background is. I don't know what their economic level is. But I can tell by the way they walk, by the way they talk, by the way they interact with the world around them, that that person has been with Jesus. And that's encouraging to some people. And it's terrifying to others. And the establishment of the time was terrified. And you know who else will be terrified? Is the establishment of our day when they can tell that you have been with Jesus. You know why? Because they know when we've truly been with Jesus, they know that nothing that they can promise us or nothing that they can threaten us with is going to have any effect over us. When they know that we've truly been with him. They knew that they had been with Jesus. And since they saw the man that had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. See, that's the power of a testimony. See, people can argue this book with me all day, and they can tell me the creation story silly, and they can tell me that, you know, that whatever... That, that there's, you know, there was atoms and they were condensed into a, what's the, how's the Big Bang song go? Anyway. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Big Bang story and there's the song and like it was condensed into a hot, dense state and whatever. And they can tell me those things and they can argue words all day. But they can't convince me that I'm wrong about what God has done in my life. They can't convince me that it wasn't Jesus that reached into the darkness of mine and my wife's life and pulled us free. There's no way they can convince me of that because I know without a shadow of a doubt what I've experienced. I know. And I tell that story with boldness no matter who is in front of me. And I'll I'll tell it to you just like I tell it on the streets down there in Nashville, just like I would tell it in the Congress chamber if they invited me to do it. I'll tell that story exactly the same way regardless of who the audience is because I have boldness about who Christ is in my life. And, And I look around at a group of people that I agree has boldness about Christ in their life. I've heard most of your all stories. And 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 I know that you have a boldness. That boldness is gonna be required of us moving forward. It's going to be required. There's going to be a moment in your life to where you're going to have to make a decision. 
Am I going to stand on the word of God or am I going to fall in line? It's going to come. It's going to come. There's going to be a moment in your life where you're going to have to make that decision. Am I going to be willing to go against the grain? Against the grain and and testify that, that it is finished? Or am I just going to assimilate with everybody else? There's going to be a, a, a time when you're going to have to decide, am, am I going to... Am I going to sit quietly and blend in with everyone else? And keep my Bible safely tucked under my shirt so that no one knows that I've still got a little bit of faith left in my heart, but I can still get the benefits of being with the culture. I can still get the benefits as long as I keep it tucked away, right? I mean, most of y'all have probably been in a situation like that before, whether it was in your workplace or in a certain social culture, a certain social, social situation. We're like, you can still be friends with us and hang out, but you got to keep that thing tucked away. You can still have this job and be part of this organization. you got to keep that thing tucked away. You can still do this and do that and be this and receive the benefits of the culture as long as you don't make a scene. But that is not what we're called to do. That is not who we're called to be. It said, and now I've got to find it again, it'll be okay. He said, because of their boldness, they knew. And because of the testimony that was standing there with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. He really was healed. I really was delivered. My, my probation officer, <laughs> hey, I'm just saying, know who it is that you're following. My probation officer told my wife that there was a 99% chance that I'd be right back out there all over again. And my wife said, he's the 1%. Now I need you to leave. Y'all met my wife, right? This is a real situation that really happened. And he was like, excuse me? And she said, I need you to go. And he did. Obedient (laughs) to the household that he found himself in. And guess what? By the grace of God. Not by anything I did. Not by anything she did. By the grace of God, we stand here today, the 1%. Can you say amen? Amen. We're bold about that. They they can't argue with that testimony. They can't argue with your testimony. Look, I look around, I see a bunch of people that were just like me that I know. And I I don't know some of your stories, but I want to know them. That's something we'll talk about at the end of the service here in just a second. I want to know your story. Because, I mean, I preach. Go back and watch the first service if you weren't here. Man, I talk about passing it down to our kids. Passing it down. You know, not, not passing down, you know, not passing down the stories of the time that this happened to grandma and grandpa and the time that we went here and the time, no, 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 no. Pass down the encounter that you had with Jesus. Pass down the experiences that you had with the Holy Spirit of the living God because those stories are going to mean more to your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. Those are the stories that matter. Pass those things down. They need to know your story. They don't need to think that your family follows God just because they're supposed to. Because what's coming in our culture is that they're going to tell us that we're not supposed to. And then our families will receive, oh, okay, we're not supposed to follow God because it's weird and stuff. And, and so that's not going to mean anything anymore. What's going to mean something is your story. 
But anyway, like I said, go back and watch that. It's, it's, it's okay stuff. After that, they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin. They conferred among themselves, saying, what should we do with these men? Somebody out there is wondering that about you right now. What should we do with them? What do we need to do with them? They keep on talking about Jesus. They keep on praying to the Holy Spirit. We've told them the things they need to do, and they keep telling us God. What are we going to do? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so this does not spread any further among the people. Let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Say whatever you want, just don't say Jesus. Do whatever you want to do, just don't say Jesus. Say that it came from wherever you want it to come from. Just don't say Jesus. I think we are hearing similar things like that now. Already. You know, say whatever you want. You know, if you're from a different religion, go ahead and proclaim that. Just don't say you're a Christian. If, if whatever's going on in your life came from a secular area, the man proclaimed, preach that from the mountaintops. Just don't, just don't, just don't say you're a Christian. Peter and John answered them. Whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. Guys, I'm unable. Come on back. I'm unable. I am unable to stop speaking about what God has done in my life. And I am unable to stop speaking about what I have seen God do in your all's lives. I'm unable. To stop talking about the testimonies of healing that I've seen. This guy went to have a, a heart procedure done on his heart. And after we prayed for him when he got there, they were like, there's nothing wrong with your heart. I'm unable to stop speaking about things like that. And I know I talk about what God did in my life all the time, about the chains he's broken, about the darkness that his light chased away. I'm unable to stop speaking about that. I'm unable. I'm unable. I'm unable to stop talking about how I see my wife lead her father to the Lord in our living room. I'm unable to talk about how I had Beth come down and and pray over our oldest son that's working and serving the Lord right now in in the waiting room of the hospital. And when we got him up there for tests, he was completely healed too. I'm unable to talk about how my brother's been set free from alcohol addiction, his marriage restored. I'm unable. I'm unable to stop talking about those things. I'm unable to stop just proclaiming the name of Jesus every opportunity that I get in my life. I won't stop. 
No matter what they threaten me with, no matter what they promise me, no matter how far against the culture that I have to go, man, I'll never stop. I'll never stop. And I look around, I see a bunch of faces that I know won't ever stop either. No matter what happens. No, no, no matter if it costs me relationships, it's, it's okay. No matter if it costs me my job, it's, it's okay. No, and no matter if, if, if it costs me the, like the, 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 the physical church that we have, I don't care. I'll never stop proclaiming what he's done with boldness. With boldness. Because I believe it. Because I believe that he is who he says he is. Because I believe that he did what he said he did. And because I believe that he's gonna do everything that he promises that he's gonna do. Because I know without a shadow of a doubt, man, that all the promises of God are yes and You know what amen means? So be it. As it is written, so it is. So be it. Let it be. Let it be done. All his promises are yes, and so be it. You hear what I'm saying? All his promises are yes, and so be it. As it is written, let it be done. That's the kind of God that I serve. As it is spoken, as it is spoken over you, let it be done. Because of their boldness, they knew that they had been with Jesus. Have you been with Jesus? Have you? I believe you have. And so let everyone that you encounter in your life everyone yes your children and your grandchildren we talked about first service let them know that you've been with Jesus your brothers and sisters and cousins and aunts and uncles and 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 siblings and and friends and friends and acquaintances and co-workers and, and people that are walking down the street beside you and the people you're friends with online whatever that means everybody that you come to contact with in any way when let them know that you have been with Jesus and that you are still with him right now every day every moment regardless of what happens and I, I love the book of John in chapter 6 right so, so Jesus feeds the multitudes and he comes over to the other side and and at the other side of the, of, the, of the Sea of Galilee, and then the crowds follow him, and he's like, man, y'all just came over here because I fed y'all yesterday. Like, Let me tell you what you really have to do. If you really want to follow me, you have to consume all of me. Right? You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, and you got to take it all. You can't leave any on the plate. you you got to receive everything that I'm saying, everything that I'm teaching. you got to get on board with what I'm doing here. If you want to follow me, you have to, to put down yourself and pick up my cross and carry it. You got to go with me to where I'm going. You got to be willing to do what I'm doing. You got to be willing to drink from the cup that I'm about to drink from if you really want to go. And people were like, deuces. And they left in droves. 
in droves. They left. And they're like, no, we just came for the blessing. We came for the bread. And he was like, I'll give you the bread. I'll give you the bread. But you got to take the suffering too. It's a package deal. And they left. And he looked at his disciples and he said, are you going to leave too? Are you going to leave too? Are, are you going to go? You all, are you going to? James and John and Peter and Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew. You're going to go. Peter said, Lord, where would we go? Where would we go? It's you that has the word of life. Where would we go? You know what was different about them and the crowd? They had been with Jesus. They didn't just hear him. They didn't just see him. They had been with him. And so the question that's going to come for us, church, is just this. Have you been with him? Not just have you heard him, not just have you seen him. Have you experienced him? Have you encountered him? Have you been with him? Because if you have been with him, then you will know that there is no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. That there is no other way, no other truth, no other life. That there is nowhere else to go nowhere and we'll state that with boldness and church will be unable to stop telling people what we've seen what we've heard what we have experienced as we've been with him if you don't stop talking about Jesus we're going to do this unable if you'll stop talking about Jesus we'll promise you this I'm unable if you'll stop talking about Jesus you can get back on the culture train with us I think I'll walk I think I'll walk because if I walk I walk with him and if I talk I talk with him and if I'm breathing I'm breathing with him. And if my heart's still beating, then every beat is by the blood of Christ that flows through my veins. And you know what else? When it stops beating, I'll be even closer to him. Because for us as Christians, to die is gain and to live is Christ. Can you say amen? Let's give him praise at the way church this morning. Man, would you stand and worship with us for just a minute? Man, stand and worship with us. Do that again.
come on. And a thousand generations in your family, in your children, in their children, in their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you in the morning, in the evening, and you're coming, and you're going, and you're weeping, and rejoicing. He is for you, 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 He is for you. I want to share with you two verses that, that I preached on first service just to drive this thing home. The book of Joshua in chapter 24 and verse 15, everybody here knows it. Choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. But listen to this in the book of Judges in chapter 2. The Bible says this. I'll just read a few verses here. Uh, Joshua, son of Nun, Servant of the Lord died at the age of 110. They buried him in the territory of his inheritance. That whole generation was also gathered to their ancestors. And after that, another generation rose up that did not know the Lord or the works that he had done. One generation. One generation is all it took for an entire culture to forget that he had brought them out of the wilderness split the Jordan and brought them into the promised land. One generation to forget that manna rained from heaven. One generation to, to forget that water flowed from stone. One generation to, to forget that the walls of Jericho fell. One generation to forget the mighty works that God had done. One generation. You know what that means? That means we believe and our kids don't. That yeah. that's one generation. That means I have faith and Logan doesn't which I prophesy against right now in the name of Jesus. One generation. And you know who can change that in your family? Not me. Not me. No matter how clever that I present the Word of God, you know, no matter how good of a sermon that I preach, I can't change that in your family. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can you can but you have to pass it down that boldness you have to pass it down that unable to stop speaking about it if you want to change that in your family then they need to know your story they need to know your story me and Angela talked about this uh, you know this past week but especially last night like I don't even know my grandparents testimony I don't I'm sure that maybe I've heard it over the years, but I don't know it. I don't even know my parents' testimony. My wife knows my dad's testimony. I don't. I mean, I'm just saying it's true. I don't know my mom's testimony. I know she's watching right now. I have no idea when she got saved or how it went down. I don't know. My, my gra- I know my grandma that just passed recently. I know her testimony because I berated it out of her on her deathbed. But the three that went before her, no idea. Like my grandfather, who to me was the most powerful man of God that ever walked the face of the earth, no idea how he came to know Jesus. None. Don't know when he was baptized or where. Have no idea. 
But I know all these other crazy stories that our family tells about how barns fell down and cows got out and all these kind of things. And I know about this little store that my, my family owned in Griderville from where the town got its name, right? I know that whole story. I don't know anything about their encounters with God. Nothing. Man, I don't care if my kid knows about my football career. I don't care if my kid knows about how many college degrees I have or whatever. None of this stuff matters. I just want him and, and, and Titus and, and, and then our cousins that live with us, I just want them to know what Jesus has done in my life. And not, and not just my salvation experience, but what he continued to do after that. I just want them to know what Jesus did in their mother's life and what he continues to do in her and through her. I want that to be the stories that we tell. Why are those not the stories we tell? Well, why, why is that not what we gather around? Well, why is that what I, not what I make sure that they know? That I make sure they know. So much that it's on their lips. That if somebody asks my son, you know, why, why, is your dad, why is your dad become a preacher? They can, be, they can just tell him. They can rattle it off. You know, why is your mom harping about the Bible all the time? <laughs> that little Titus can be like, well, let me tell you what, what God did for my mom. And then maybe you'll, maybe you'll understand. Maybe you'll understand. You know, I, I want Logan to be able to say, hey, I'm a miracle child. They waited on me for 10 years. Right. You know, my mom wasn't supposed to have kids, but look at me. I'm a miracle walking from God. I mean, I want them to, I want those, I want those stories to be fresh on their lips. And so here's the thing. Um, so I was talking about how I didn't know my dad's testimony. And my wife was like, well, he was baptized at Horsehead Baptist Church, just right down the road here. And you can probably go see that. And they, they keep records of those kind of things. And you can go see that information. And I was like, Wow. Wow. You know, and as I've been, you know, doing some of my, my Ancestry.com stuff, but I don't do it anymore, but I did for a long time, I saw some of the baptism records of some of my family. We have not done a good job with that here. We've not. We were just like, ah, God knows. God knows. Holy Spirit's got this. and matter. You know, whatever. And he does. He does. But at the same time, those stories are important. And so we want to catalog those stories. We want to create a compendium every single person in here's story and yes it's going to be a huge undertaking but this is something that we want to do I'll, I'll start we're going to start with ours and just put the first couple of pages in the book if you were saved or delivered or set free or encountered God in any way here at the way church we want to know about it we want a story for every single person that's in here right now if you were baptized in this church we want to know we want to know we want to keep record of that and we want to put together something that people can look at and say wow Look what God has done. Or if you're part of our church family now, but you were saved somewhere else, we want to know about it. We, we want to know your story so we can put it in our book because you're part of our family now. Even if you're just visiting, man, we want to know your story. If you were baptized somewhere else, I mean, we, want, we want to know. We want to know the faith story, the God story of everybody that's connected to our, our church family here. And yes, I know, quite an undertaking, but we believe that this is what God wants us to do. And this is what we're going to do. And I know we won't get them all, but we'll, we'll take what we get and we'll use it for the glory of God. We want to give you the chance to tell your story on paper, on video, however you can get it done. We want that information. We want to know your story so that we can pass it on with boldness. With boldness.
so that our children and our children's children can look back and say, that's why grandma's crazy and speaking in tongues all the time. That's why they be smacking the food out of our hands if we try to eat without blessing it. (laughs) That's why. That's why they drug us to church every Sunday by the ear. Yeah. That's why. That's why they showed up on the door say, you know what I'm saying? That's why. Because look, I can teach them the stuff. I, I can teach them the stuff. Or our teaching staff can teach them. They can, we can teach them the stuff. You're going to have to help them experience it. And then if we do this thing together, we can change the course of our families. And if we change the course of our families, we can change the course of this world without depending on culture, without depending on government. Because you know what's stronger than any of those things? Listen, everything in this world is going to crumble to dust. The culture is going to change. The government's going to flip back and forth, even though they tell you it's not going to, it's going to. The Word of God's going to stand forever. Forever. Um, 